So good to be with you guys tonight. Like Levi said, my name is Jake, and I'm one of the youth pastors, and this is kind of fun, preaching, teaching right up front. So good. Hey, there's a handout underneath your chair. Grab that, and I would just encourage you to take notes. helps you stay engaged. See, students, I'm stoked because we're starting a new series. We're starting a series called The Relationship Series. Everybody say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're starting The Relationship Series. We're going to be talking about relationships. We're going to be talking about dating. We're going to be talking about sexuality. We're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to go there. It's going to be awesome. And we are doing this series because relationships matter so deeply to God, and he has a lot to say about them in the Bible. To start, I want to draw your attention to something about King David's story, David and Goliath. It was the 11th century B.C. Israel was at war with its bitter enemies, the Philistines. There were two hills which each army camped on with the Valley of Eli in between them. The Philistines had a champion named Goliath. He was nine and a half feet tall, decked out with a bronze helmet, scaled bronze body armor, bronze greaves. He had a massive bronze spear on his back, not to mention the massive shield and sword wielded by his shield bearer who went out before him. For 40 days, Goliath came out. This is a historical story, by the way. So this, I'm not just making stuff up. For 40 days, for Samuel 17, for 40 days, Goliath came out and defied and taunted Israel and its God, challenging anyone brave enough to fight him one-on-one. -on -one. Whoever won, the loser's nation would become slaves to the other nation. King Saul, Israel's king, and the rest of Israel were dismayed, intimidated, and discouraged. But after 40 days of being taunted, a young man named David showed up, the son of Jesse, to bring supplies to his brothers. And he heard the giant Goliath defying Israel and the one true God. He said to King Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Come on. Saul, Saul looked at David, though. He said, you're only a young man. You can't fight this giant. David said, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said, go, and the Lord be with you. But before David went out to meet Goliath, Saul dressed David in all his armor, Saul's armor, a sword, a helmet. And David tried it all on, wearing it, but felt super clumsy because he wasn't used to wearing all that armor. I bet Saul's heart sunk when David took off all of Saul's armor and just took his staff and a slingshot with five smooth stones. That's not how you're supposed to go out into battle against a giant. But David approached the Philistine nonetheless with no armor. The contrast couldn't have been greater. A veteran warrior who was a giant in as much heavy armor as you can imagine versus this practically boy with no armor and a slingshot. David was so different from Goliath. So different from how Saul thought he should have gone out into battle. When Goliath saw David, he despised him, the scriptures say, seeing he was little more than a boy and cursed David by the Philistines' gods. But then David spoke up. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know 
that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Goliath had enough and charged David, but somehow David charged Goliath, running out to meet him, and reaching into his bag, he took a a stone and slung it right into the forehead of the giant, and with a mighty crash, Goliath hit the earth, crashing down. The battle was over. As soon as it had begun, David triumphed over the giant and used Goliath's own sword to cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their hero and champion was dead, they turned and ran, and the Israelites won a mighty victory over them on that day. It's an amazing story that I know a lot of you have heard before, but what I want to draw our attention to tonight, CA students, is David's willingness to not wear Saul's armor. He was willing to be different. David could have been pressured to conform to the conventional wisdom of the time, you know, wearing armor when you go and fight a giant, but he refused to conform. He was willing to be different. Because David's trust was not in armor, but it was in his God, he was willing to be different from what the world said would be wise and normal. And friends, David conquered a giant. Sometimes, CA students, trusting in God requires us to live differently than others in order to be obedient. One very clear place we see this is in how we uh, live out our relationships with one another and think about who we are, our identity. But CA students, when you're willing to trust God, you're able to conquer giants through his power. We're going to explore that together, together. But before we do, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We honor you. Thank you for epic stories in the Bible that are true, that can inspire us, Lord Jesus. And thank you that you're the ultimate hero who conquered death, sin, and the grave. We love you. Speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Hey, just a little bit earlier in Israel's history, just before David and Goliath, we see this place where Israel really took a turn for the worse when it comes to um, being willing to be different. So let's read this passage in 1 Samuel 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, the prophet, basically the leader of Israel at the time. They said to him, you're old. That's rude, by the way. And your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. They're not doing what David was willing to do. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, listen to all the people are saying to you. It's not you they've rejected, Samuel, but they have rejected me as their king. As they've done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they're doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And then the next part of the passage 
Samuel goes on to detail how selfish a human king would be, which was in contrast to how generous the one true God king was. In verse 19, we pick up, but the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Listen to this. Then we'll be like the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, everyone go back to your town. Did you hear what Israel said, CA students? Then we'll be like the other nations. But CA students, Israel, God's people, was not called to be like the other nations. Israel was called to be different, distinct, set apart. A word that the Bible uses a lot to to talk about this idea of being set apart is the word holy. Because God is holy. He's different. He's distinct. He's set apart. Israel was called to be a holy people unto the one true God. One of the things I think about when I think of being holy is a closet. And here are some of my garments up here that it will help me illustrate a point. I have a bunch of regular t-shirts and some jackets up here, but I've also got this special suit up here. I wore this on my wedding day. Pink tie on my wedding day, right? I don't wear this thing all the time. I wear this very rarely on special occasions, right? I've got all these common, you know, shirts and jackets, and I love them, and it's great, right? But then I've got this, and it's separated from the others. It's actually at my house. It's in a different closet, right? It's separate because it's used for a special, separate purpose, to celebrate a special, different, distinct day, the day I made the second best decision of my life, marrying my beautiful bride, Noel, wherever you are. First decision was receiving Jesus. But this is, in a sense, it's a holy piece of clothing because it's set apart for a purpose. In Leviticus 19, 1 through 3, the one true God called Israel to be holy. Then the Lord said to Moses, speak to the whole congregation of Israel and tell them, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Israel was called to be distinct, set apart, Why? So that they could be stuck up and think they were better and just to be different for different sake? No. No. Israel was meant to be marked by humility and self-sacrificial love. Why were they called to be set apart? Here we go. Listen up. Because ever since Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, when humans first sinned, in rebelling against God, CA students, they founded a rebel kingdom— opposed to the kingdom of the one true creator God, refusing to give the one true creator God the worship he was due. And they chose to worship creation and themselves instead of the one true creator God. And this was the introduction of sin into the world. And the wages of sin is death. God's response was to set a, a plan of salvation in motion, choosing a man named Abraham and his family, the Abraham Uh, to be a contrast kingdom to the rebellion kingdom, to be a people who lived God's way 
and reflected who God, the one true good creator God was. They existed to be a living picture of what life with God was like and to be God's plan to rescue and to save the world. They weren't, they weren't called to be different just for different sake or so they could brag. They were called so that they could be the means by which God saves the world. They were to be life where there was death and light where there was darkness. And to be a light to the nations, they would actually need to be different or distinct from the kingdom that was in rebellion against God. Not just difference for difference sake, but difference in terms of embodying life with God, embodying God's holiness. Here we go. Here's a point. Oftentimes, in order to make a difference, you need to be different. Oftentimes, in order to make a difference, you need to be different. God's people, whether in Israel in the Old Testament or the church made up of both Jews and Gentiles in the New Testament, have always been called to be holy and set apart or the contrast kingdom for the purpose of putting who God is on display and drawing people into that life with God. Aiden and the team, you can come and join me. But guys, the principle of being set apart to being distinct, it's not just about being distinct on maybe Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. It's a principle that's meant to permeate every aspect of our lives. That we would be holy and distinct in every part of our lives for the glory of God and for the good of the people around us. So when it comes to our finances, when it comes to how we use our time and the media we consume, when it comes to our relationships, how we think about sex and gender and identity, the contrast kingdom of God is going to look and act differently and distinctly from the kingdom that, it, that is opposing the creator God. We're just calling this series the Relationship Series, and it's how to think and act God's way when it comes to relationships. And it's often going to mean looking different from the world. Not in a prideful way, in a humble way, in, in, a, in a hopeful way that we could bring life where there's so much brokenness and death because God's the one who brings life where there's death. And the main point of the series, you can write it down. Sometimes it might... Uh, or sorry, truth and flourishing in relationships and identity come from God, not the world. See, students, if you have decided to put your trust in Christ, you are called to not let the kingdom of this world and the rebellion kingdom set the culture of how you handle relationships. You're meant to have the kingdom of God, the contrast kingdom of God that's light and hope and holiness be the one that sets the culture for how we handle relationships. See, students, sometimes it might make sense or feel right to just do what the world or the rebel kingdom is doing. Will you go there with me for a moment? It might feel right or good to just give in to any sexual urge or temptation you have. Yet the contrast kingdom of God deeply values the good gift of human sexuality and honors that it's designed to be expressed only in the confines of a lifetime love commitment of marriage between one man and one woman. It might feel good and easy to just agree with the kingdom in rebellion against God that people should just be able to come to their own conclusion about what gender they are instead of humbly, humbly being willing to disagree, knowing that God created two sexes, 
male and female, in the image of God. And the decision of our sex and our gender is one that's already been made by a good creator God who's indicated that decision by our biological sex. It might make sense to live together with your boyfriend or your girlfriend when you graduate to try out what it's like to live together. It doesn't work, by the way. People who cohabitate, you know, statistically end up with higher rates of divorce and less satisfaction in marriage. In contrast, the kingdom of Jesus, again, calls for sexuality to be expressed only in the confines of a marriage between one man and one woman. It might make sense, CA students, to be like the other nations. But Romans 12 says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I might add, then you'll be able to conquer a giant that's wreaking havoc on generations. Come on. If you're in Christ, you're called to be distinct. You're called to be set apart. You're called to be holy. And that's an exciting thing. That's a hopeful thing. That's an honor to be called by God, to be set apart. CA students, if you're in Christ, you're called to be set apart. You're called to be distinct. You're called to be holy. Let's go. Let's do it together with joy, knowing that God wants to rescue and to save the world he loves so much. I encourage you, CA students, read the scriptures, pray, invest in discipleship relationships, invest in friendships that build you up in relationship with God, that build you up in God. It's worth it. And we can do it together. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the call to be set apart, to be holy. Not just to be different for different sake, but because you're holy and you're set apart. Your life where there's death. Your hope where there's despair, God. And you love the world. Yes. You love the world, God. And you're calling us. Yes. You're sending us out to be your hands and feet. To to through you bring salvation and redemption, God. Help us take up courage to be different and distinct for your glory in the way that we handle relationships, God. Be with us in this series, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to go into a time of worship to just respond. So why don't you guys all stand?